Who stole some of history's most famous paintings from the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum? Where is the lost Dutchman's mine, and how come so many people who go looking for it never seem to come back? Relic, the Lost Treasure podcast's second season, investigates the mysteries behind unsolved artifact crimes and goes in search of lost treasures with very sinister reputations. You can catch all of season one now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most streaming platforms. New episodes release every other Wednesday of the month at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also follow me, Maxwell, on Twitter at Lost Treasure Pod. The adventure continues. It's rolling. Oh, it is. <laughs> oh, shit. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this Hello, extra special. patrons. Well, this isn't for patrons. <laughs> <laughs> this is for everybody, oh, Liz. Yeah, sorry. Everyone gets this. I got a little confused for a second. Yes. Hello. Literally, everyone. <laughs> Happy is, Thanksgiving. Yeah, it's an extra special Thanksgiving bonus episode. We're thankful for you, and so we're giving you a, another... <laughs> episode of us talking yeah seems very you're, self-involved you're but. welcome <laughs> enjoy your drive to grandma's house yeah uh Samantha. i hope you made liz's mom's cranberry sauce Hell recipe. yeah if you want to make it you know too late for thanksgiving it's in our facebook group you can find it yep the whole it's pretty much there. cooked out some cranberries <laughs> and put some stuff in it maybe put some orange peel in there you're good mm-hmm. samantha what are you thankful for? You. Aww. That is flattering. No, I'm thankful for our listeners who sent us snacks this year. Yes. Who give us Hell money. Yes. yes. To buy tacos. No, that's not what we do with the money yet. Is sometimes. Yeah, it is. Sometimes we just did it and it was great. <laughs> so thank you. All of the money, at least so far, goes back into the show. And sometimes mm-hmm. that means we're recording on Friday night. We're going into our second episode. We need to order we need some, some tacos. tacos. Duh. Yeah, I think that makes sense to everyone. That's what we do. We're not buying a capybara ranch with it. Not yet, anyway. Not till we start me out making those big lore bucks. I know. Oof, one day, right? What are you thankful for? I'm thankful for you, Samantha. Oh, this is so nice. And Lenny Briscoe here. Who keeps walking around rattling Yeah, rattling his chains. <laughs> Making noise and our otherwise pristine and perfect audio recording <laughs> situation. Yeah. I'm thankful for the guests we've had on our show this year. Oh, they've all been awesome. I'm thankful that uh, the vengeful spirits that live in this house have left me alone. That's something to be thankful for. Mm-hmm. And I haven't been abducted by aliens. Also something to be thankful for. Yeah. I'm so thankful. Your dad never did satan rituals in the forest in front of a fire not to my knowledge naked dad put his head in a corpse okay samantha's referring to (laughs) this month for that's actually going to be our patreon episode and why i got confused is we were just watching the show haunted on netflix if you are not a patron i'm not just saying this because i want your dollar Although I do want your dollar. You need to subscribe to our page, our Patreon because we are doing the craziest fucking Netflix show I've ever seen. I really wish we had just a stream of Samantha's face while we watched it because you kept being like, what is this? And I was like, hold tight. It's just going to get weirder. <laughs> I said, what the fuck? Like 
14 Hold times on. in the first Hold half. On. She gets going places. It, you should, yeah, you were not wrong. It got weirder and weirder. So I highly recommend <laughs> subscribing to our Patreon. Uh, if you're listening to this on Thanksgiving, I'm, I think probably next week that episode will come out on Patreon. So you get a lot of us talking to you this holiday season. So that's something to be thankful for this November. The sound of our voices. I assume everyone's Hello. thankful for that. Yes, yes. We're thankful for your five-star reviews. Oh, for sure. Should we talk about a show everybody loves? Beyond Belief. Fact or fiction. Who's the host of the show, Liz? Jonathan Franks, I believe is his name. <laughs> no, it's Jonathan Franks. You might know him from Star Trek. Yeah. He's the one that whenever he sits down, he like swings his leg over the back of the chair. <laughs> Why? What? It's the strangest thing ever. I guess that's what happens in space. I guess. So, yes, he's the host of Beyond Belief, which if you're not familiar with the program, it's a little show that used to be on Fox where they would show you a series of little, I guess you call them mysteries. Little vignettes. Yeah. And you were supposed to guess. If they were... Was that true? Fact or fiction. Or was that made up in the writer's room by some very clever writers? Yes. So we did an episode of this show for Patreon. You may have listened to it if you were a patron. I think it's probably my favorite favorite one we've done. It was really fun. After, well, I mean, I love Kitchen Nightmares, but... <laughs> it was really fun. And part of what was fun is that we didn't watch the end to find out which ones were supposedly true or false until we recorded. So we did, we're going to do that again today. Yeah. So this is supposedly true because none of these are fucking true. Yeah, they all sound super made up. Last time, supposedly, a guy who painted people's portraits and then they died was true. And that made me so angry. I said, I wish I was dead. Wasn't the plane, the one where a plane flew itself? Wasn't that one supposedly true? <laughs> I think that was supposedly true? true, too. So, yeah, this is, yeah, suspect at best. Because what we have what we mentioned in that episode, what we'll say again here, is that these, the true ones are based on true yeah. events. So maybe there's a lot of spin going on. It, maybe there's a nugget of truth in each one of these, but... It's sort of like a 90s low-rent Twilight Zone <laughs> where they tried to pretend that some of the stories really happened. And the stories weren't nearly as good as the Twilight Zone and not as, cre- as creative. Right. But it has a, it's trying to get a little bit of that vibe, Jonathan, but I can't really pull it off. Yeah, and then Jonathan Frakes tries to be a Robert Stack character, except <sighs> he's, he's no always Robert talking Stack. about optical illusions Constantly. and saying, "Stop! Stop talking about optical <laughs> illusions. We got it. Some of them, we got sometimes it. they're tenuous at best. We were going to watch the season finale of season two, but it ended up being really boring. I don't know if you even got a chance to watch. I didn't. It. You just said I was boring, and I was like. Let's try. For a second, I thought we should continue with that episode because for a good part of it, he's sitting on a chair with a cat on his lap that he's clearly holding against its will. This cat does not want to be on Jonathan Frake's lap. Okay, and that he's part's like, amazing. He's like holding its neck. I mean, he's doing it in a nice way, but you can, t- if you've ever it's like been around a cat. to jump away. Yeah, yeah. If you've ever been around a cat or tried to hold a cat that doesn't want to be held, you can tell. But it's it like, looks okay, like. I'm done. I don't even remember what he was talking about with the cat. Like, if you saw this black cat dart out in front of you, you would be frightened. I don't remember what he said. He, a lot of philosophical... There's a lot of ramblings on this show yes. where it's, it seems like they went into a fortune cookie factory and they stole <laughs> a bunch of the fortunes and then they tried to like make a coherent narrative out of those. And my dogs are like banging on the door because they want to get to Mac. Why were you in here in the first place? Oh, they're so spoiled. Oh my god. Just let them go. Let them go out of my life. Okay. <laughs> They're gone. Um, from this room. From this room. 
and possibly this world. Who knows? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, he really likes to point out that your senses can deceive you, yes. and things are not always as they seem. Mm-hmm. All right, I think we all we all get that. We get it. Yeah. So we there's four. We each took one, just like we do with the unsolved mysteries. We don't know which ones are fact or fiction. We will speculate and we will reveal it on the show. I'm excited. So am I. Because yeah, the last one was was really fun okay so we'll see if this is half as good this opens on like an old candle chandelier (laughs) that like holds the shot kind of too long it's like something you might see at medieval times and then jonathan frakes asks us can we really believe what we see we're about to find out and then you then you get the the hilarious theme song and then this example of an optical illusion (laughs) it's a phrase inside of the triangle that you think says because of the way it's broken up you think it says i love paris in the springtime but if you look at it carefully you realize it says i love paris in the the springtime but because you read quickly you skip over and you don't notice that there's two thes and i just wrote down i've been fooled (laughs) And that's when Jonathan Frank tells us, once again, we've been fooled by our perception. And I go, thanks? <laughs> I hope there's one where he brings out one of those magic eye posters. Do you remember those? <laughs> How do. cool those were? There's gotta be. They, they, they they're gonna have seasons of this, so they're, they're gonna, gonna run, run, out run out of optical illusions. Okay, if anybody wants to, I don't know, follow along or watch this, we're doing season two, episode two. Oh, right, we should have said that. Last time we did season two, episode one. The first season is not hosted by Jonathan Franks, so it can go fall in a well. Who cares about that? Okay. The first story, because they give all these little stories names, like there are chapters in a book, is Fire Station 32. The yeah, number this one's sad. The number 32 is how you know, they go, oh, that's probably a real fire station. <laughs> huh. Yeah, that adds some credibility. So uh, Jonathan Franks tells us that all boys want to become firefighters. And I was like, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a firefighter. Gender stereotypes much. It just seems cool and helpful. I used to go to the fire station all the time, and they would like they gave me like a badge, and I could try on boots and hats and stuff. Oh, cute. I had an imaginary dragon to start fires so I could put them out. <laughs> well, that's just arson. <laughs> it was imaginary, Samantha. It lived under the stairs. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was adorable. <laughs> So we learn about this little kid, Stevie, who's always hanging around the fire station and getting in everyone's way, it seems like. <laughs> like, like yeah, as a kid, Stevie? I... Stevie? Yeah, he's Stevie. I'm su- the suspect of this one. Okay. Uh, yeah, as a child, I think I stopped by the fire station a couple times. It seems like he's there all day, every day. And also, he's 10. He's getting, like, kind of old for this. And uh, there's one firefighter in particular that's really bonded with him. Because him and his wife couldn't have children. Oh, oh no. Oh. I feel like in every 90s thing, infertility <laughs> is like the only reason people could possibly care about children. But anyway. And then I just wrote, the kid is acting way too, is too old to be acting like this. <laughs> There's a part where he like gets in the truck and sets the alarm off. And then the fire captain comes out or the chief or whatever the fuck his name is. And... <laughs> He's mad and is like, why is this kid here? And a li- a Fair questions. Yeah, he asks a bunch of fair questions we're supposed to think are totally unreasonable. Like, why is this kid hanging around when you should be, like, sweeping the why, fire station? Why does he get to set the siren off inside of the station, giving everyone ear 
drum damage. <laughs> um, and then some of his coworkers kind of make fun of him because this kid looks up to him so much. And they're like, you're my hero too, guy. <laughs> oh, whatever. So then Stevie is riding his bike home. I guess the one hour a week he leaves the station <laughs> and he sees smoke <gasps> coming out of a house. Oh, no. Does he immediately turn around and go back to the fire station? That he knows that the firemen are, and it seems like he's gone five feet. No! <laughs> he goes into the house, pulling his sweatshirt off and saying, Don't worry, I'm coming in. And he's ten. What do you think he's going to do? <laughs> Put out that fire. Put out. So he runs in to help people. Okay, so he goes into the burning house. Then we see him run into the fire station, and the one firefighter who's bonded with stevie is like stevie what is it stevie's got soot all over his face yeah he's disheveled and i don't know crunchy Crunchy. (laughs) what burned oh he's not really he's just yeah he's got soot on his face it's crunchy and burned way to describe someone is crunchy I cannot record two episodes in one day, clearly. Okay, so Stevie explains that he saw smoke, and he says, I tried to get them out, but the fire was just too hot. Because, yeah, it's a whole house that's on fire, and he's 10. So, yeah, you go, oh, why didn't... Why? For some reason, the fire department has not heard of this. So they only have Stevie's word to go on. And the chief is like, what, this kid that was messing around earlier, why are we going to believe him? No alarms went off. And the firefighter's like, I know this kid. I trust him. I trust him. I trust him with my life. I don't think he's a man. But anyway, he's like... Ten year old. Anyway, he's like, the kid wouldn't lie. So him and the kid get in the truck and no other firefighters? Yeah, the chief's like, okay, you can go, but you have to take the smallest fire truck and you can't take anyone with you. Like, what are the other guys doing? Fighting other fighters? <laughs> Maybe this whole town is slowly burning down. So, him, are they busy? I don't understand. Stevie. They have to make the chili. They have to feed the Dalmatian. You know, all that fire station stuff. Um, so they go to the house. Oh, man, is that fire bad? It's, the whole house is in flames. <laughs> Stevie tells him where people are in the house that need to be rescued. I assume other firefighters come at this point, and they get all the people out of the house. And then he turns to Steve, and he's like, Steve, you're a hero. Good job on this. And he, like, puts his fire hat on Stevie. You're a real firefighter now, Stevie. Yeah, also, Stevie is, like, helping them put out the fire, and I was like, this kid is 10. Your insurance does not cover this. (laughs) This is a terrible idea. But anyway, he tells him, you're a real hero now. And then he turns back to the house, and someone's like, oh, no, we found one body. It's like, what? I thought we got everyone out. And they're like, everyone, except Stevie. (gasps) And he turns back, and he's the kid isn't sitting on the end of the fire engine anymore, just his hat's there. And he looks down, and he sees Stevie's dead body, because he died of smoke inhalation. Because it's not a good idea for (laughs) 10-year-olds to run into burning houses, no matter how much time they've wasted at the fire station <laughs> so that's and the- he goes oh god no because he couldn't have children so he likes Stevie. and then jonathan frakes asks us 
a true story of fateful a true story of fateful proportions <laughs> or simply a false alarm okay <laughs> all right do we think they're gonna say that one was true or, I mean, it's obviously false. Are they going to say <laughs> it was true? I sort of think they're going to say that one was true. I kind of think they are, too. Because they probably... I don't- think this one's more plausible than your other one. <laughs> Look. <laughs> Which we'll get to, but... Yeah, I'm going with, I'm going with fact. I think they put... I, I probably cost them a lot of money to rent those, those fire engines... So it has to be fact. So it has to be fact. All right, solid. Does that That's good make reason any sense? Any. They, they put a lot of work into it for, for them. Yeah. All right, you get the lamest, shortest, stupidest, <laughs> dumbest one. The computer is what this one is called. Samantha told me there was one in this episode about a ghost computer. It kind of is. Yeah, it is. And they even refer to it as a ghost computer. I thought it was going to be a haunted computer. Well, that would have been cooler. Sorry, which, spoiler, that's not what it's Like about. the X-Files episode, The Ghost in the Machine, where the computer was haunted. Yeah, that's not what this one is. I think there's be. also some horror movies about that. I'm sure. But... It's not this. This is not that cool. So Jonathan Frakes Low comes, bar comes, that this manages to be even <laughs> lower than. He comes out from the shadows and stands next to the world's ugliest fridge. <laughs> yeah. My first note. Wow, that fridge is ugly. <laughs> so hideous. It has like a faux wood panel to all of it. And it's covered in magnets, which my fridge is covered in magnets. But it's... It's so hideous. It's... I don't know if it's supposed to... I don't know what era it's from. It's real bad. It's awful. So they found this fridge at the dump, and they dragged it in and had Jonathan Freak stand next to it to talk to us about how many numbers we need to get a hold of people. He says, in the age of communication, we can always be reached. In our kitchens, we post work numbers, pager numbers, car phone numbers. But all of this seeming security can't change the one apprehension we all fear. Anything can happen when we are gone. <laughs> I like that. This is a time when most people did not have cell phones. The vast majority of people didn't have cell phones. And people who did, they were, like, huge. And you had to carry them, like, around in a briefcase. He's calling that the age of communication. <laughs> I also don't understand how your security is having a work number on your fridge. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's... That, that was high tech. It's not to secure. Write, What's secure about to that? To write some numbers down and hold them up with like a little magnet in the st- shape of Utah. <laughs> On it's your like, friend. oh, well, we have his pager number. Why is it security and why does that make you feel safer? When I was in high school, sure. you were not allowed to have pagers at school. Oh. Because that meant you were dealing drugs. <laughs> It couldn't be that you were arranging, like, how your mom was going to pick you up after school. No. You could wait in the line to use the payphone like everyone else that wasn't a drug dealer. (laughs) Uh, So, he also says, and if you're a nervous parent like Joseph and Susan Drummer, leaving your child with a new babysitter, your fears multiply. And also, your fridge is hideous. (laughs) He left that part out, though. So, this makes no sense. He says, no matter how you set up your lines of communication, our true security is not in the people we hire. It's in fate. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What? What does that even mean? There's not security. There's no security in fate. It's like an oxymoron. I feel like so much of this is just a random word generator (laughs) where you've just put in like optical illusion, senses, luck, fate, and then it just spits stuff like that out. Like, okay, I'm just going to try to make up one up right now. Okay. 
the true reality of our perception is that one can never know what lies beneath the truth of tomorrow. Jonathan Frank's in this room right now? It's just like, you think about it, you're like, those were words. <laughs> and they're in my native tongue, but I don't think they mean anything. <laughs> so, all right, so here we go. We get started on the computer, which is what this one's called. We open with Joseph Drummer arriving at his house on a Saturday night with a babysitter in tow. He says, come meet the baby. He's great. <laughs> Oh, yeah. He's one great baby. <laughs> also, they needed to hire this babysitter last minute for, like, no reason. Yeah. And also, they give this babysitter, like, no instructions. They're just sort of like, <laughs> for here's a baby. Supposed nervous parents. They basically just hand her the baby and say, don't answer the phone. Which, why wouldn't you answer? I don't know. So, <laughs> hey, here's the baby. Whatever you do. Don't answer the phone. <laughs> weird instructions. It's like, um, does he need to be fed? What, you know, like, don't answer <laughs> the phone. Yeah. Where so, do you keep his diapers and stuff? I don't know if you heard me, <laughs> but don't answer the fucking phone. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We're really nervous parents. <laughs> So, Susan and Joseph greet the babysitter, whose name is Sarah. They tell her not to answer the phone or door for anyone. Uh, Sarah says... The stupidest instruction I've ever heard. Sarah says, don't worry. When the baby goes down, I'll be too busy working on my computer to even raid your fridge. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Babysitter humor. Yep. So, they uh, arrive at the party. This is the nervous parents. Susan says she's very nervous. Joseph says, don't worry. Sarah seems very responsible. But just before they get out of the car, they realize that the babysitter forgot her computer in the back seat. Oh, no. She needs that to write a term paper that she has to work on that she yes. mentioned several times. Yes. She has this giant computer bag that's full of stickers. It's so big. Oh, laptops used to be really huge, you guys. It's funny. <laughs> also, they seem to be going to a party at a house that isn't a cul-de-sac. That's possibly a valet party. Yes! <laughs> they, I think they drove five minutes away and they're going to a house and that person has valets? It's like not a mansion, folks. No, it's like it's just a, a suburban house. Normal small house on a cul-de-sac. There's like some like party city balloons out front and, and then a, a, valet. a valet and like a red vest comes to like take their car and they're like, oh, we'll be right back. <laughs> what fucking party is this? So do you think it was a swinger party? <gasps> is that why they were really so nervous and also why they didn't care what happened to their baby? Maybe. Because they had... Was, why, was, that, was, was that why she was wearing her best furs? They had boning on the mind, folks. I guess. So, yeah, they realize that she has to write her term paper, so they squeal out of the cul-de-sac. <laughs> um, oh, actually, before they leave, they try and call Sarah, and, they, and oh. Sarah doesn't answer. Yeah, I wonder why. Well, that's a mystery. Why didn't she answer the phone the, you told her not so to answer? Remember when you had an answering machine, an actual machine, yes. and you could speak through it, and you yes. could hear it in the house? So, so their instructions to Sarah were, don't pick up the phone. If it's us, we will talk to you through the answering machine and tell you to pick up. So that's what they do. They get out their big cell phone, and they go, Sarah, pick up. Pick up the phone, Sarah. But no one it does. It is the hugest cell phone. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, they, they were like, Sarah, it's us. I'm sure they were with those people that made, like, a really annoying answering machine message where it was, it was like, like they played a song yeah and they're like you've reached the johnsons <laughs> that's right we're not home <laughs> that's a thing families used to do together folks 
Yeah. If you didn't have to experience that, well, mm-hmm. that's something else to be thankful for today. <laughs> so they rush back to the house, and when they get there, we see that a window is ajar and <gasps> a chair is knocked over. <gasps> Joseph says something's wrong and yeah, instructs his wife like, to call the police. A window knocked out of the frame, and it's very commonly like, huh, something's wrong. It's like, no shit. In the five <laughs> seconds you've been gone, your house has been ransacked. So they rush inside, and Sarah is loosely tied to a chair. Very loosely. <laughs> very, like, and she's struggling as if she couldn't just, like, step out of these restraints. <laughs> I mean, they didn't want to make the restraints too sexy, maybe. <laughs> so, it, yeah, they're very loose, and she's struggling away. <laughs> it looks like she could probably stand up while still attached. Yeah, yeah. She's a tiny little thing, anyway. So, Joseph bursts through the door, and just as they get in the house, like, a, a teenage robber who looks very short runs out of the house. Uh, Samantha, he was terrifying, and he almost knocked him over, and also the baby's fine. Don't worry, everyone. Yeah, the baby's fine. The baby's in a playpen. So, Joseph says he gets her untied. <laughs> Don't worry about the baby. He's great. <laughs> And he also says, it's a good thing you left your computer in the car. To which Sarah says, I have my computer. The robber stole it. <gasps> and she goes over and we see the empty computer bag she with all the stickers. She holds up gigantic... St- I just literally wrote the size of that computer bag. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I just wrote ghost computer question ghost mark. Computer? This is what Jonathan Franks asks. Could it have been an optical illusion of a strange no! convergence of light and shadow? What? Or or was it some otherworldly message sent as a warning beacon to lead them back to their home? So it's like an angel. Yeah. All right, I'm going to try to do another one. Is the eclipse of our mind the dream of reality? <laughs> You could be a guru. No. Should we start I a cult? Osho. <laughs> These will be my Osho quotes. You have to take a vow of silence, and everywhere you go, you have to have praying hands. Yeah. Beyond the shadows of the mind's eye, can we see the truth? <laughs> These are great. They make no sense. <laughs> this is so profound. Oh, my goodness. People write these down. Make them into some inspirational memes. Make I would an like, Etsy store. I would like to see these across some, like a sunset. Yeah. In a in a tasteful font. That'd be great. Yeah. And print them up and a convergence of shadow that makes you see a ugly computer bag. <laughs> okay. Do we think this one is fact or fiction? I'm gonna go with fact on this one as well. It's, I think actually it's too simple. So I'm gonna say they say it's f- fiction. Oh, okay. That's my this logic. This one seems the most probable to me. Like, they yes. thought, oh, she forgot her computer. They rush home, and then it's been broken into. Yes, that, it, it is probable. So that's why you think it's going to be that's fiction? That's why I think it's going to be fiction. <laughs> that's actually smart, because that seems like how this show goes. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you about the girl next door. What are we calling this one? Ghost slut! Yeah! <laughs> this is the real-life ghost psych, slut, you guys. I'm a ghost! Okay. <laughs> Literally, psych, I'm a ghost. Yeah. I'm excited. And we just ruined the sp- spoiler for you. <laughs> It's a ghost. Okay. (laughs) Jonathan Frank says, For the modern Romeo, the computer chip has replaced the little black book. (laughs) What? And then he holds up one of those old, like, (laughs) electronic organizer things. (laughs) I remember those. Those, like, electronic, like, address book things. I had, like, a super shitty, like, dollar store one. I had one that was, was, like, like, certain I was going to use and be all organized. (laughs) I had one that was specifically for girls that you nice. could put in like your whole 
wardrobe so clueless style you could pick out yes. outfits i guess except that i filled up all of the memory immediately <laughs> putting in just like a few items of clothing like it couldn't handle <laughs> so you have like one sock and like a pair of shorts yeah. and that's and it i was like well i guess i can't use this as a calendar anymore because five items of clothing are in here anyway so uh we see this playboy whose name is curtis and he's hot stuff he we, we it opens with him no, on the phone really hot stuff uh wooing a woman and saying oh yeah i'm sorry i stood you up but my uh, auntie was sick you know he's making up he's making up some lies oh yeah, oh, yeah. but then whoops calls her calls his honey by the wrong name ah damn hate when that happens <sighs> but jonathan franks points out doesn't matter that doesn't matter he has hundreds of numbers <laughs> Of hundreds of women. Hundreds. He doesn't need that. And I was like, oh, yeah, getting someone's number used to be a big deal. No one <laughs> wants to swipe. No one wants to be called anymore. So that's not, <laughs> it's not a, that's not a sign of, like, male ego. Getting a lot of numbers. Anyway. So then one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. She is stunning. Come, I don't understand how she didn't become famous. I, she couldn't, can't really act, but it doesn't matter. No, she's, she's beautiful. gorgeous. She comes, I never, I swear I've never seen her before in my life. She comes to the door, she, and she says that her name is Florence, and she's a new neighbor, and she just wanted to introduce herself. And he's like, hey, baby, <laughs> how about I cook you dinner? And she was like, oh, a man that cooks? I'm intrigued. I'll be back at seven. And that she says, claims that she uh lives across the street and then this guy says to absolutely no one while biting his ring finger because she's so hot (laughs) the girl next door that's what i call some fine real estate (laughs) oh my god because he's smooth oh yeah he's a player (laughs) all right so then at dinner curtis is wearing the baggiest (laughs) blue silk shirt i've ever seen it looks like pajamas but this was just a time when if a guy was going out for a nice dinner, he wore a silk shirt. Yeah. And it billowed a lot. Oh, did it billow? <laughs> Whoa. If you're not wearing a billowy silk shirt right now, that's something else to be thankful for. Lots of things to be thankful for. Lot. You thought you couldn't be thankful in this current yeah. the world we live in that's about to end. Turns out you're not wearing a silk shirt. <laughs> you're not billowing in what looks like Hugh Hefner's pajamas that you're <laughs> pretending is a nice shirt for a date your date shirt and then florence is wearing a very 90s outfit that's like come back essentially she's wearing like a choker and a kind of see-through top and then it's like long wrap skirt and she mm-hmm. looks great amazing but she could wear a potato sack and she would look great so uh he like hits on florence and it's like telling her he has the magic touch and stuff like that and then she's like oh i gotta go understandable and he's like why and she's like mm, i guess i'm just old-fashioned but I'll see you around. And he's like, I do have one question. How does a babe like you not have a boyfriend? And she says, what makes you think I don't? And then Love that it. is not addressed. <laughs> he just moves right on to, how about I walk you home? And then she reminds him that she lives right across the street. Cut to, Curtis is in love. <laughs> he doesn't care about all those other honeys anymore. He only has eyes for Florence. And we see a montage of them doing wholesome things, like sitting on a porch swing and playing mini golf together, <laughs> because he's never felt this way about anyone before. And he tells her, you complete me, baby. You were the best thing that ever happened to me. But Florence seems a little distant. It's like she's not quite all there. 
something's going on with Florence. What's up with Florence? <laughs> and she says that she had a fiance who cheated on her. And she wants someone that's invested only in her. And who's loyal. Yeah. And is that you, Curtis? And he's like, of course. I love you. I love this scene because they hug. And you get the shot from behind him where she's hugging him. And you can see her face. And she's like, hmm. Yeah, she's <laughs> She's like looking away. And that like cuts to the moon and the top of a church. <laughs> After a... Right after him saying, you're the only one for me, baby, and him apparently genuinely being in love, that we still go to Florence overhearing him smooth-talking a different girl on a gigantic phone. She's sitting right outside of his bedroom door as he paces around and loudly talks to another woman. I'm not sure if he knew she was over. I don't know how you couldn't. She was right there. She was right there, but he's like... Hey, uh, I love you, Andrea. How about we reenact that cabin scene that we had together the other weekend? That would be sexy. Yeah. It's like, it's not something that could be a slight misunderstanding. It's basically like, I can't wait till we get together in Bone because you're my favorite. You know, it's just, he like tells her he loves her. It's whatever. So Florence, obviously not pleased. And she says, no explanations. It's over, Curtis. And she runs away. And Curtis is like, Florence, no. But then what happens? For the first time, apparently, he goes to her house. Goes looking for her. Which they've been spending all this time together. So that's kind of weird. He goes and he, like, knocks on this door. And then there's an old man raking up leaves. And he's like, I'm looking for Florence. And the guy's like, yeah, some old man lives here. No one named Florence. I was like, what? And that's when he thinks he sees Florence run into a church that even though it's right there, he's never really paid much attention to. This giant ornate it's church giant. looks like it's been there for hundreds of years. Grounds. Like not just your little local neighborhood church. It has like a courtyard <laughs> and whatever. It's like a would be like a tourist attraction kind of church. <laughs> yeah. Like, he would at least be annoyed by all the traffic on his street for people going to this church. <laughs> he never really thought about that church. <laughs> and it is also right across the street. So he goes in and he sees that there's a small graveyard. And what does he walk up to? A headstone with Florence's name on it, motherfuckers! Psych! I'm a ghost! That's it. What? Ghost slut. It's ghost slut. She totally tricked him. And he reveals himself to still be a cad, even (laughs) promising to be loyal to her and drop all his other honeys. (laughs) And then Jonathan Frakes says something really stupid that I didn't write down. And then he just said, or maybe there's no explanation. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Maybe Maybe we made this shit up. Mm. There is no way this one is fact. I realize they're probably going to say it is, but he (laughs) literally dated a ghost for months. (laughs) Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, what's unfortunate is that this is supposed to be Arden's show. I know. They Ghost stole slut. it they, from her. They stole it from Do her in the past. ever boned? I don't know. Do you think he had, is this like the woman who had sex with 20 ghosts and is now marrying one? <gasps> and now she said that you okay. can't really be on top Theory. when you're having sex with ghosts. She because, said that? Yes. Yeah, so well, I guess that's true, isn't it? Where is its penis? I mean... I, look, I didn't realize ghosts could have sex. Well, things we learned. But I think there is that sort of... Isn't there a type of female ghost that supposedly takes your... Succubus? ...energy through sex? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what that is. Oh, is there a male succubus? 
Probably not. I think it's kind of a sexist myth. <laughs> I find that hard to believe, Samantha. <laughs> um, I, w- I almost wonder if the reason he was on a phone hitting on another woman is because he, he wasn't having sex with Florence. Maybe. So he was trying to use some other woman until he could convince Florence to have sex with him. Not much of a, a ghost slut, but... We don't know. We don't, we don't that, know. Maybe, that, they did, is, maybe they boned all the time. This is a family-friendly fair, and they left the ghost sex life out of it. <laughs> for shame. <laughs> so, Are you ready to talk about the fourth story? The wallet? The wallet. I sure am. Okay, is the consensus in that one that it was fiction? It better fucking be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like just going, I have miles to go before I sleep. <laughs> like, if that is true... <laughs> A piece of my soul will die. <laughs> There's not much of your soul left. There's so <laughs> little left. I sold most of it to the devil. And then, the yeah, the apocalypse has just been killing it off bit by bit. And this is not going to help if this story is true. This is the nail in the coffin of Liz's soul. <laughs> yep. This episode of Beyond Belief. <laughs> yep. Okay, so this is our last one. It's called The No, wallet. there's one more. Oh, yeah. The Woods. Oh, fuck forgot about the woods well don't worry that one's fine okay good (laughs) so at the beginning of this segment Jonathan Franks tries to tell us that if you lost your ID you wouldn't be admitted to a hospital I think he meant your like health insurance card but they'll still take you in you can you can get him that information later yeah like I'm I'm picturing someone walking up to a hospital like having a heart attack and like can we see your ID before we let you in that's ridiculous i mean our healthcare system is terrible but i'm not aware of that it's happening not there yet so <laughs> that's next year wait till 2019 until you need id to be admitted into the hospital so jonathan frick says if you found a wallet how far would you go to ensure that it's returned to its rightful owner okay you can just drop that in a mailbox and the post office will return it right so i would do that <laughs> done <laughs> So, Jason is a hard-working young man trying to get into college. He was raised by foster parents and has very few material goods. Uh, is he rich, Samantha? No. Oh. He's not rich at all. Oh. <laughs> That's actually important. It didn't seem like he was very poor. It just seems like his, <laughs> no. his, his foster parents couldn't afford college, which who can? Yeah. So, anyway. I guess in the 90s, we tried to pretend that everyone could afford to go to college, but that was a lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, he's wearing a varsity jacket. I assume all those kids are rich. I think so. Right? Yeah, so Jonathan Frick says he finds a wallet, and what he decides to do with that discovery will certainly change his day. In fact, it may change the very course of his life. <laughs> Shocking. That's how shocked I am. Also, whoa, these haircuts. I have not seen these haircuts in a while. They are so... I just didn't realize there was such dated 90s boy haircut. <laughs> I guess I didn't either, but probably because I wasn't a 90s boy. Yeah, but so. I was just like, did I go to middle school with you? This looks <laughs> really familiar. Both of There's like two boys playing football, and I was like, you both look so familiar. Yep. So Jason was orphaned from the time of birth. He was far from wealthy, according to Jonathan Franks. His foster parents couldn't afford college, so he was hoping for an athletic scholarship. Which, good luck with that. You are not even good at throwing a football in a park. He can't even catch a football in a park. <laughs> yeah. So he he's hoping, though. Every day perfecting his pass catching skills. 
Okay. That's what Jonathan Frakes call it. But this day would be different. In a dramatic slow motion reenactment, Jason dives for a thrown football and lands on his face. When he goes to retrieve the football, that is like not, he, he didn't even come close. No, he's it's like real. one of those fail videos from America's Funniest like Home Videos. Me trying to catch a football. Yeah, that's what this is like. He I recently had an eight-year-old point out to me several times that I'm not good at throwing, and you know what? I'm not. <laughs> Guess <laughs> what, kid? Not right. I know. Uh, so he goes to retrieve the football and finds that it has landed exactly on a lost wallet. <gasps> There's no cash inside, but there are a lot of credit cards and an ID with an address, which is not far from them. Jason wants to return the wallet, but his friend says, are you nuts? The money is gone. He's going to think you stole it. Which would be a weird reaction. Why would you bring it back then? Yeah. But Jason insists, so that, that so he walks to the man's house. Jonathan Frakes says he has a strange feeling as he was walking down the block. He says the people in this neighborhood were comfortable. They had families. Didn't this kid have a family? He had foster yeah. parents who were taking care of him. And- has he never gone anywhere before where people have families? <laughs> I think they're, tr- like... They should have just been like, it was a very wealthy neighborhood, and he felt out of place. But for some reason, it was, these people had families, unlike this loser. <laughs> he was all alone in the world, despite the people who took care of him and wanted to pay for his college. It's just the college is really expensive, and that's pretty reasonable. So, we get this quote. Something was drawing Jason to the address he had found, drawing him there against his will. We're supposed to think something bad is going to happen at the house. Mm-hmm. So Jason knocks... Is it that house from Goosebumps where there's, like, a plant monster in the basement? Maybe. Maybe. We'll find out. Uh, Jason knocks on the door and Slenderman answers. (laughs) I said it was Lurch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. He's so tall. He's so tall. He's skinny and creepy. He's the butler. And he's like, why, hello, sir. (laughs) Which makes me want a butler, I guess. (laughs) How awkward would that be? Yeah. Like, you're just trying to, like, lie around in your sweatpants and watch Netflix. And, and just, your butler walking <laughs> by. There's just your butlers, like, standing by the door hoping someone needs it open. <laughs> what do they do? I don't know. Uh, I Get guess. you water and Oh, that would snacks. be nice, though. Cheesies. They bring you cheesies. So I'm just sitting there scratching my butt. <laughs> <laughs> like, how embarrassing. I don't need a butler around all the time. So Jason says, I found this wallet. And the man says, I'd appreciate you stepping inside. Slender Man says, wait here, I'll go get Mr. Arnold. But Jason's looking for Mr. Neiman. Uh, wait, what? Jonathan Frank says, the house had a smell of must and mildew. The appointments in the home were expensive, but they had the look of objects that had been unappreciated for years. And then they just show, like, tacky brass antiques. Why does he call them appointments? I don't know. I'm telling you, this is, like, not written by a human. It's written by, like, a robot, a robot that's trying to be a human, and it's not quite working. So, then, uh, Mr. Arnold comes out, who is apparently Mr. Neiman's attorney, and he says, what's this about a wallet? Why? And then just also, stares at him. Why is he in the house? Don't know. This guy's attorney is just there all the time with the butler? Making out? <laughs> I have to assume. That's what they're doing. Jonathan Frakes says, Jason, startled to think that he had made a terrible mistake. He just wanted to return a wallet, but suddenly he felt that he had opened a door that should have remained closed. His biggest shock was yet to come. Samantha, I'm on the edge of my seat. So Mr. Arnold brings him into a room, makes him sit down, says, this wallet looks new. Did you notice that? 
And Jason's like, I guess. Mr. Arnold then starts asking weird questions, saying that he wants Jason to help him figure it out, but never says what it is. He asks about where Jason found the wallet, and then he very forcefully asks, well, who are your people? And then Jason's like, I don't know. And he says, who put you up to this? Jason starts to get a little weirded out by that. Why not just tell him he's dead? <laughs> what is all this? So, Why go, oh, this Nabuala is rather new. Who are your people? <laughs> totally normal question. Actually, I bet Jonathan Frakes thinks that's a totally normal. He probably meets someone at a party and that's what he asks. He them. shouts that in their face. Yeah. <laughs> and then he asks them about optical illusions. He pulls out a chart. It's like a. <laughs> do, you fucking... see, do you see an old woman or a young woman? <laughs> and then no matter what you say, he's like, oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting in the corner of the party with a cat on his lap. He has parties where people walk in and there's just a bunch of optical illusions on easels. And then the whole party is just talking about optical illusions. Funhouse mirrors. I want that to be real so bad. He comes out of, he has like a dry ice setup. And his, like, poor wife has to, like, pour water in it. And then he comes around like, Welcome. It's like, honey, honey, turn turn on the blue light. Yeah. Drama. <laughs> drama. Never forget the drama. So, Jason goes to leave the house, and he runs into photos of a man that looks just like him. He runs into some very badly photoshopped photos sitting on, like, a bureau. The way they shot this made it look like he, like, got stuck. Like, he couldn't leave the house, even though it's, like, what? way... It's out of the way. And then we have a dramatic, like, like quick zoom on his face, and then it cuts back and forth really quickly between, like, in case his, you didn't realize his terrified face and the pictures on the mantle, and then the Mr. Arnold who's just like giving this menacing <laughs> look. It's so weird. He's being so well done. After Jason leaves, the two men speculate that Jason looks just like Mr. Neiman's brother, I guess? I don't know. And that he might be the only heir to Mr. Neiman's $40 million estate. They could have asked some questions that would have been way more helpful to finding this out. Like, yeah, they decide they have to go to his school and like, track him like, down. They could have been like, have you ever heard this name before? Do you know who your relatives are? Something, something. Not, who are your people? Also, and who put you up to this? I don't understand why this man's been dead for two years, is what we hear. And his butler and his attorney are just still in the house. <laughs> Waiting yeah. for what? I don't know Make what they're doing out. in there. I guess. They're still settling the estate. Are you ready for a quotable from Jonathan uh, Franks? Am I ever. What collusion of circumstances allowed Jason to find that wallet? And if Mr. Neiman was housebound for two years... Wait, a thing that was never mentioned previously, <laughs> by the way. How did his wallet come to be in the local park? Yeah, how? Was it a collusion of circumstances? I think this one is fake. I think so, too. I, I think they're. I think it's fake, and I think they're going to say that it was fake. <laughs> Two different things. All right, we're fiction on that one. All right. Let's go into the woods, everyone. It opens on a shot of a taxidermied snake, at which point Jonathan Franks tells us that we all hate snakes and that that goes back to Eve in the garden. And I was like, okay. Thanks for that. And then he says, and when we become the intruder, we should really be surprised. Should we really be surprised when we encounter a snake in the grass? <laughs> and 
I was like, that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> what? Where are they intruding? The forest? Yeah, I guess. He said something about how we are in the snake's home, the snake isn't in our home, and we're the intruders, and then encounter, yeah, what? let's just move on. <laughs> so, this is a story about a family camping, but they don't know how to camp. And, <laughs> and his, the mom and dad in the story are just out there to bone. Yeah. And I really relate to the mom, who, like, at every point is like, ooh, camping, great. <laughs> She's, like, so over it. Also, one of my favorite parts is her husband comes up behind her and is, like, <laughs> yeah. trying to get all sexy. And she's like, not while I'm chewing. She's trying to, like, eat some snacks. I've never related to someone more. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down, too. I wrote down, dad says he has a lusty appetite. <laughs> Tries to make out with mom. She says it gets in the way of her chewing. <laughs> We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, uh, Jonathan Frank said something about the legend of the lake. <laughs> that never comes up again. Okay. So, it opens with the family not knowing how to put a tent together, but they're kind of adorable about it. I don't know. It's, it's obnoxious. <laughs> and then the kids, there's, they have a kid, and that actor is from something, and I can't place it, and it's driving me crazy. So the kid decides he's going to go off and find worms for bait so they can catch fish. That's going to be their dinner. And the family's like, oh, we don't know how we're putting this tent together, but whatever, kid. <laughs> so he immediately finds a bunch of gigantic worms just lying on the ground. <laughs> and puts, Isn't that how you find worms? And then it just puts it. He's like, oh, wow. And just keeps putting gigantic worms into a jar. <laughs> And then the mom, yeah, the mom clearly hates camping. Dad has a lusty appetite. Um, they don't know where their kid is. My, my second favorite part of this segment is the dad calling for his son, Randy. Can I do my impression of yes. him? Randy! Randy! <laughs> like, I, what? Is, are you, what are you doing? Of course his name is Randy. Randy? Was one of the kids on Home Improvement named Randy... Maybe. I don't know. He seemed... Randy is such a weird... I'm sorry if any of our listeners are named Randy, but... Look. It's kind of a weird name. Samantha's not a... For a small child. I just... I can, this is the thing. Randy's one of those names where you can never picture yeah, a child true. Like a guy with a truck. Randy. Yes, that guy's named Randy. Like, you were But never... a small child that's just going, oh, wow, a worm, papa. You're like, that kid's named Randy. Okay. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> Randy. <laughs> Uh, so there's lots of close-ups of a snake that's clearly not in the same place as the kid. Like, there's just file footage of a snake. And we're <laughs> supposed to believe this kid is, like, poking the snake with a stick, which this kid is a fucking moron. He, like, he sees an angry... I think it's a rattlesnake. It's definitely a rattlesnake. They're not... It doesn't look like they're in a part of the country that would have a rattlesnake, but whatever. <laughs> He's poking an angry rattlesnake with a stick that's clearly not there, and then it bites him. That's what happens. <laughs> don't do that. It seems like this kid is old enough to understand that you don't poke rattlesnakes. <laughs> poke angry snakes with a stick. But, well, you know, so whatever. anyway, he gets bit in the hand. And then immediately, a guy using a wheelchair suddenly appears behind him out of nowhere and tells him in a very calming voice not to move because that will help spread the poison. Which is, I don't think it's true. I don't know. I hope I never have to know. And then he tells him to take off his bandana because, like all children, he's wearing a bandana around his neck. <laughs> I think children. That's what you wear when you're a rascal. <laughs> I think 
playing around in the woods. Children in the 90s definitely did. (laughs) So he tells him to take off his bandana and tie it above the bite. And the kid asks the man to help him, but then the guy's like, no, my arms don't work. But he does have a first aid kit on the back of his wheelchair, (laughs) including a plunger just for snake bites. Another thing that isn't real? (laughs) Isn't it? You can't. What they do with this plunger is like suck out the venom. Yeah, I isn't don't that think not I, how you do it? Like they tell you, you're not supposed to like suck out the venom. No, I don't with your think that's true. Actually, which I think means that plunging it out also doesn't work. Here's the thing about rattlesnake anti-venom that you didn't want to know: it expires very quickly, and it's very expensive. So the hospital near you, where you might get bit by a snake, may very well not have it in stock. Oh. <laughs> This is why we don't live in Australia. <laughs> well, still rattlesnakes in Minnesota. They probably are, you know, equipped in Australia. I have more faith in them. Okay. Anyway. Well, I have more faith in any country besides <laughs> exactly. ours. Exactly. So the boy, yeah, plunges out the venom with this weird yellow thing that looks like it's from the dollar store. His wound looks so gross. Yeah, he gets blood everywhere. And then he looks up and oh, the man is gone. And the parents are running in a total panic where they're, like, stumbling and falling down and just screaming Randy like a zombie is coming after them. (laughs) Not like they haven't seen their child for five minutes. It's ridiculous. (laughs) And then eventually they hear their son's cries and they find him with his bleeding hand and they get, like, a medic or something. But how far can this place be from civilization if, like... Oh, ambulance shows <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And the the medic tells him that he's impressed with his first aid skills for a city boy. And Randy explains, but it wasn't me, it was the doctor. And the medic says, was he in a wheelchair? And Randy's like, how did you know? And he starts to tell the tale of a friendly doctor who lived on the lake, but then was paralyzed. Except he died 10 years ago. <gasps> And then the mom and dad and son all, like, hug and fear. (laughs) And then Jonathan Frank says, is there a logical explanation to this story? And then he puts puts forth this theory, (laughs) which I never would have come up with because it is more batshit than the story (laughs) itself. Could it be that the doctor faked his own death (laughs) years ago? Living as a hermit by the lake? Only appearing when he senses people need help. That is what he puts forth as a logical explanation. This man. This doctor faked his own death in order to, like, appear in the woods and give people free medical advice. Every time someone in this remote area of the woods gets bit by a snake. He'll immediately appear behind them and say, don't move. It spreads the poison. This man who's paralyzed from the neck down yep. somehow rolls into Also, <laughs> I don't understand. I would be curious to know how he would fake his own death. <laughs> Seems like a challenge. Um, <laughs> I That's the craziest part of this whole episode is that theory. <sighs> so do you think that one's fact or fiction? How did the ghost have a first aid kit? Yeah, it better be fiction. That's what we say about every one of these, is that it better be fiction. As I peer into the soul of the mind, what was once fiction becomes truth, and what was once truth becomes delight.
<laughs> Someone write all of these down. I need them. <laughs> I hope I made as little sense as Jonathan Frakes. Oh my god. Yeah. All right. I so let's do a quick well, recap. What was your first one called again? <laughs> Um. Uh, uh, the fire station thirty-two. Okay, we think that one is fact. <laughs> yeah, yes, I think that for sure happened. No, we don't really. Well, not number two, computer. I think that one's fact. I think it's fiction. Okay. Okay, girl next door. Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> um, the wallet. Fiction. Fiction. The woods. Fiction. Okay. I think all of them are fiction except maybe the computer and maybe the fire station. Okay. Are we are we ready to find yeah. out? Yeah. Are you gonna pull it up? Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> maybe he's living as a hermit in the woods. <laughs> Only coming out when people need him. Yep. All right, everyone, I hope you've made your guesses as to which is fact, which is fiction. I hope you've tried to write some inspirational Jonathan Frakes quotes. And now we're going to find out the truth. The truth behind the illusion in the door of the mind. Okay. Let's do this. Which of our stories tonight were fact and which were fiction when Beyond Belief returns? I'm on the edge of my seat. Now it's time to see how well you did judging whether our stories tonight were fact or Okay, first one I say, true. The story of yeah. the little boy who died fulfilling his wish to be a fireman. Was it based on reality? Yeah, chest hair in front of him, Frank. Okay, here's the recap that we don't need. Yeah. We just saw this. <laughs> we literally saw this. His chest buddy. hair. How have we not mentioned <laughs> this? Oh, my God. None of these people here would have made it out without you. We make a good team, right? <laughs> you got that right, partner. You're a real fireman now, Stevie. You're also a dead fireman. Get over here. Well? We just saw this. Why is it showing it to us again? Because they don't have that much content and they have to fill up the hour. If you guessed that our story of the fire station was totally made up, you're mistaken. This one really happened. Yes! Oh, I'm sure it did. (laughs) There's nothing to back up that claim, by the way. They just say it's true. They just go, guess what? That was true. Where did it happen? When? Uh, I can't tell you. Gotta go. Bye. I'm pretty excited. We got one right. We did. All right. Number two. Let's look at the story of the couple who returned home in the nick of time. The computer. Because of a computer they thought they saw in the car. True or false? False. I'm going with true on this one. I think this is All right. fact. This is going to be fact. This is us to the death. It's lucky that you left your computer <laughs> in our car. What are you talking about? You left your computer in the baby seat, and so Janet called to make sure you didn't need it. I know, Janet. That's why we decided to drive back. All white women are named Susan. That's why I picked it. I couldn't remember. Really, he put it in his bag. What? Look at that computer case. It's so big. (gasps) This story must have been inspired by actual events, right? Right. Wrong. Yes! (laughs) Fiction. It's too simple. That's too simple. That's true. And what about our story of the girl next door? <laughs> that better be fake. Ghost slut. I just want to go ghost slut. Ghost slut. Ghost. There's slut. no ghost. way. Slut. <laughs> I dated a ghost <laughs> for months. Florence Wheeler. Well, there's no one here by that name. She told me she lived across the street. No, not here. She does. Minister James Whoa. has been here all alone for the last 25 years. But that can't be. <laughs> Was this story of star-crossed lovers based on a true star-crossed story? Star-crossed lovers? Not this time. 
It never happened. Oh, thank <laughs> Christ. I'm so glad. Whew. All right, okay. I'm three out of three so far. Yeah, you're doing really good. young man, a lost wallet, and an unclaimed inheritance. They're probably going to say this one's true, though. No. And I really hope they don't. Man, look at this. Hmm. They think I'm an alien? Your mother, your father. <laughs> what difference does this make? Who put you up to this? Who put me up to this? Look, if you think I want something, forget that it. 90s I found a woman. I, I wanted to return it. It was the right thing to do. I'm out of here. <laughs> sit down, young man. Why would you? Who would sit down? Is the story of unexpected good fortune true or a fake? This time it's the real thing. Oh, God, no. What? No. <laughs> so dumb. No. Okay, if this last one is fact, I'm going to die. I hope we find out he faked his own death. <laughs> Don't do this. Don't do this, folks. No poking. Stupid Randy. Don't <laughs> poke snakes Randy. with sticks. Randy. Randy? Randy. Randy. There he is. Uh, if this reenactment is to be believed, okay. he was there before he got bit. Oh, maybe he opened the snake. story of a spirit who watches over the people of the woods based on an actual event. People of the woods? Yes, it was. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? No. No, it was not. No. So, oh my. what did you do tonight? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that uh, last one was not <sighs> real. <laughs> You're like, some of these... Sure, but the last one. Okay, ghost slut. We got that one right. Yeah, I got the first three right, and then I was just a spirit who watches over the people of the forest. <laughs> They're just people who went camping. Camper. They're called suburbanites. Don't do that, Samantha. So enraged. <laughs> she is so off. mad that she just turned off her mic and she's quitting the show and she's done. <laughs> Even though this isn't a Beyond Belief podcast. So True. thank God. We never have to do that again <laughs> if we don't want to. I don't know. It is kind of fun to get the reveal. It really is because it does kind of make me angry, even though it makes no like. I knew it was going to be stupid. What did it? What so am since I? Since that last one was fact, do you think he's actually a hermit living in the forest? <laughs> no. Watching over snake bite victims? No. <laughs> or causing or bringing Maybe. snakes to children so that they get bit. I mean, it's as likely as anything else we've seen on the show. Wow. Do you have any final thoughts on Beyond Belief? I really don't. All right. I found a little something. Oh. That's a little Thanksgiving surprise. I love I Thanksgiving over, surprises. Yeah, that's a thing. I was over at Dreamhaven Books in South Minneapolis, which is a comic book store slash used bookstore. And they have a section that's just like weird esoterica yes. shelf. My favorite section. Yeah, where uh, our resident librarian, Megan, found a book that's like The Murder Guide to London. Nice. Sadly, she swiped that before I could, but I found contact cards. An extraterrestrial divination system. What? Is this how you can contact extraterrestrials? It's, so, they're like oracle cards. They're, it's kind of like tarot cards, tarot cards without uh, like any rules. <laughs> <laughs> can we try one? Yeah, absolutely. I would just like to also say, I kind of remember this from back in the day. I used to spend a lot of time at the Theosophical Society in Wheaton, which had a like New Age gift shop. And I kind of remember this. Nice. And I'm so excited to finally have it for the 
bargain basement deal of five dollars. It is made by Daryl Anka, an artist and UFO researcher, and a critic acclaimed internationally on as the channel of Bashar, an inter <laughs> an extraterrestrial being known for his practical teachings on moving beyond limitations. <laughs> guys channeling that interdimensional being yeah on, with practical advice oh okay and i could use some practical advice right now so <laughs> and this also, is timely and also kim carlsberg a graduate of the los angeles center of art and design and commercial photography that better be his wife has worked standing for the behind popular that television show baywatch she oh, is, that makes her qualified. <laughs> she is the Speak author of aliens. beyond my wildest dreams diary of a ufo abductee which I totally remember owning. Nice. It was a book that was a UFO abduction story where she, like, drew the pictures. Oh. Good thing I spent my money on that. Okay, so now let's find out. <laughs> what's, what's in store for what's us? What's in store for the con? So we get, like, a, a, a hardbound book. Oh, that's nice. That, uh, that I guess will tell us the meanings of all these cards. Oh, part one, the system. Oh, this looks complicated. This looks really complicated. I think we should just try drawing a card and see what happens. And it, there's like a list of all the aliens, different types of aliens you can get. Oh. And ships you can pull. And different stars. And what they mean. Yeah. There's a wormhole. I hope we get the wormhole. Okay. Unless it's something bad. Oh, crop circles? <gasps> Does it say anything about hedgehogs? <laughs> no. But for example, if you pulled the card, Mr. Curly Man... <laughs> That would mean trust. I hope I don't get that one. <laughs> and if you... Folks, I am not making this up. <laughs> I have not looked at this before now. I wanted to do this with Samantha. If you pulled a swastika... Oh, God. That means a journey. What? <laughs> I could not and would not make that up. That is literally in here. What kind of journey? I don't... Not a good one. Oh no. Okay, let's oh, hope that most of this is a little more family friendly than that. <laughs> yeah, there's like battleships and stuff. Alright, let's just pull some cards. Let's yeah, see what happens. Okay. This is getting disturbing. I take back what I said about Mr. Curly Man. I hope I don't get the swastika. <laughs> I hope. We should just throw that card away. Yeah. Alright, so then we have a box of cards here. Okay. And you just draw one? Are I you gonna like shuffle them? So there's different sections i guess we'll draw one of each so you get stars okay circles which is the crop circles aliens which is has little drawings of different aliens oh my god different planets and different ships okay okay and do all the cards together tell a story i'm sure there's like some sort of system where we're supposed to figure oh, okay. stuff out but we're not gonna, we're not gonna do that you can draw a star and an alien okay and i don't even know if we have all the cards since i bought this used Oh, here's another something. Here's another alien. And I'll draw a planet and uh, a circle and <laughs> and a ship. Okay. So what did you what did you get? So my alien is an android. Oh. Okay. And my star is a nebula. The android card reminds us that it is very easy, indeed automatic, for us to become stuck in the humdrum mode of materialism and survival. We must not allow the tendency of Western society to overproduce and to concentrate entirely on end results to keep us in straits. Blah, 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 blah. Was that all the wisdom you needed on the android card? Oh, I, think, I think so. <laughs> what was your other one, sorry? Nebula. 
Connabula. It's my star okay. card. Why don't the galaxies leave me alone? <laughs> it's the first thing that says under Nebula. Weird. That's why I shouted when I woke up this morning. They're always asking me when I intend to grow up. Well, the fact is, I think, <laughs> I think they're all envious of my freedom and youth. Sure. The Nebula card very, very clearly cautions us that we may be premature to act too quickly when we become excited by the prospect of some fulfillment we can often act rashly initiating things that simply are not ready to be pushed ahead so all right what be cautious okay sounds good all right i'm gonna draw a planet saturn okay saturn yes tell me about the card saturn Log of the survey ship Wanderer, excerpt uh-huh. from the survey of the Soul Star System. Mm-hmm. You need uh, to kind of jump ahead past the narrative to find where it says what it means. Okay. Drawing the outstanding symbol of the Saturn card motivates us to get our affairs in order. Oh, the outstanding does symbol. Does that mean you're going to die? <laughs> your affairs in order? It's telling me, Liz, why don't you have a will? It advises us to make certain that all important considerations are clearly laid out and that everyone involved knows where they stand and what they're expected to do at okay. your funeral. <laughs> I added that last part. <laughs> It's suggested that we both give and pay attention to ideas and advice that could help solidify the big picture. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. The Saturn card shows us that we are surrounded by all that we require and that all we may need to search within the different layers of our being to become aware of the abilities we innately contain. (laughs) That's some Jonathan Frakes bullshit right there. I don't know what that meant. Sure. What's your other one? Uh, For circles, I got galactic. And it is a picture of a crop circle that is a circle but then has like two arm parts coming off of it there's like a moon shape inside and other circles inside the galactic is the all-encompassing symbol that reminds us to use our resources to their best advantage as our galaxy rotates we are carried through cycle after cycle we learn to use reinvent and reuse every tool at our disposal why do I feel like all of these cards mean the same thing? The galactic card teaches us to recycle all our resources to maximum benefit oh. while being simultaneously open to receiving new sources of energy and information. So this one's telling you to recycle, which I know you do. Should I recycle these cards? <laughs> Is that what it's telling me to do? Maybe. Should we see what the reptilian means? Yes, if you would have drawn that one. Yes. There's a poem at the beginning of this? Oh, please. Slithering, slimy, scaly thing. Your fangs rip, your claws sting. You're wild and unpredictable and should return to swampy places until you've learned respect for all other races. Whoa. (laughs) That's also something I like to read to Nazis. (laughs) The reptilian raises its ugly head. We'd better beware. It's time for us to get on another track. I don't know what this is even talking about. (laughs) What? This card reflects the shadow side of our soul. Um, When we are mm face-to-face with the reptilian, we can be assured that our most ancient and archetypal fears will rise to the surface and demand our attention, if not completely run away with us. Wow. The positive aspect of this card is the foretelling of opportunity awaiting us to dive headfirst into our deepest unconscious dreads and channel them to a good fight. What? The the reptilian card doesn't seem great. Okay, let's be. Although I did enjoy the poem. Well, that was a work of art. (laughs) So the last card, I know you're very sad, everyone. The last card (laughs) I drew was for ships. Was the research ship? Okay, let me. And it is sort of your classic UFO 
that's landed on a little hill by some pine trees, and there's a mountain in the background. The research ship is the card that deals with education and the application of knowledge. When we have spent time gathering and analyzing information, we look for avenues through which to express our newly found insights and to pass our discoveries on to others to adapt for multitudinous uses. Is that a word? I'm not sure. It is now. The curriculum of this card also contains the possibility of intellectual snobbery. (gasps) This can seal us in our ivory towers as we judgmentally label others as our inferiors. Yes, Amantha. (laughs) Quit being such a research ship. (laughs) You drew that card. Excuse (gasps) me. (laughs) Oh my God, you're right. I don't want to bear the horrible truth that I'm in my ivory tower. (laughs) Was talking through her research card. Wow, that was an experience. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't select the swastika card or the reptilian <laughs> if card. If I find that card, I'm just going to throw it away. I'm going to recycle it, just like the other card told me to. Sounds good. Maybe it'll get turned into something useful. Yeah. Like anything else. Like a Starbucks cup. I don't know. Something that just gets thrown in the trash <laughs> is more useful. So. Well, this was <laughs> Well. Guess what? We're done. Uh, I'm sure you'll want these contact cards. I'm guessing they're out of print. So I'm guessing. You might be able to find them on eBay or something. I'm sure you want them. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I may pay myself back with the Patreon dollars for this podcast. <laughs> you used it on the podcast, so I think that's valid. Totally fair. All Thanks, right. everyone. We hope you have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Yep. Subscribe to our Patreon. You won't regret it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's all perhaps it's you. If your family is really annoying you, plan a Friendsgiving. Yeah, we're going to do that in a couple weeks. It's going to be at my house. And also, you can email us at <laughs> perhaps it's you podcast at gmail.com. Or there's a contact form, not a contact card, oh. on our website. Well, maybe we'll work on that. <laughs> and you should give us five out of five beyond beliefs <laughs> Jonathan Frakes <laughs> you should give us five out of five Jonathan Frakes on iTunes Apple Podcast. make sure you spell it with an N <laughs> because we only accept five Jonathan Frakes reviews yep yep bye happy holidays bye <laughs>